0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey folks, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 310, recorded Wednesday, March 8, 2017. It is, of course, Wednesday because I was in London, England until about 24 hours ago on Tuesday night. And I warned everyone that the podcast would be a little bit late. But uh, so that's why we're recording on a Wednesday. And if I sound a little more subdued than usual, it's because at this moment, if I'm doing the math correctly, it is 25 past 1 a.m. in London. So I really should be asleep.
1: Yeah, you probably should
0: be. Or or go to, go to sleep. I'll just finish it up. I'll just finish up here. All right. I'll just nod off for a while. You keep talking. Wake me yep. up when something happens. Okay. <laughs> sounds, Will do. <laughs> sounds like a plan. You know, either asleep or just getting back to my hotel room after having spent 14 hours in the pub or something like that, right?
1: Yep. So, you had fun though?
0: Oh yeah, I had lots of fun. But let's, let's talk about Walker Stalker Con at the end. Because, okay. I mean... It, if we, if we start talking about it now, we could just go on and on forever about it. So let's do that at the end. Um, and instead, I think we should just jump straight into the episode. Okay, sure. So we are here to talk about season seven episode. I wrote down 11, but I think it's 12. See, I've made a mistake already. It's 12. Yeah. All right. Season seven.
1: It's too late in the evening for you, I think
0: it it could be but i'm going to try to i'm going to try to power through and i think i'll be okay. Season 7 episode 12 it was called say yes. which right. is uh you know a pretty bland title if you ask me. Say yes.
1: Well, it is. I mean, the titles are not supposed to give anything away, but uh you know, kind of depict a defining moment in the episode and i think that does that rather well.
0: Well, i don't know. When you get titles like um the day will come when you won't be. I mean, at least that's intriguing. It's sort of a weird sentence and it makes you think a little bit. Say yes is just two stupid words put together.
1: Well, they, yeah, and so, so is everything really. I mean, say anything is, is two stupid words put together, <laughs> but it's meaningful to a lot of people.
0: I guess so. It's meaningful to that particular movie, I suppose. Yeah. Anyhow, this is called Say Yes. And we open this week with Rick and Michonne. They're in the forest by a van. Apparently that's where they're living in, in the forest, in a van in the forest now. And we see them sort of tending to a fire and then we cut to them busting into a house, searching the place, finding minimal supplies, a few cans here and there, and then having sex. Yep. In the van. In the van. That's right. So they're living in the forest, raiding houses and doing it. They're on a holiday it's kind of it sounds like it sounds like a holiday yeah we cut back to the forest um they seem pretty happy they're chatting about keeping watch you know who's going to stay up at night doing that cut to more raids for supplies uh supplies they're they're packing up clothes uh they do find a gun and then more sex so i feel like what's happening here is we're just seeing you know a day in the life of Rick and Michonne out out and about now where they're they're boning and they're raiding Yeah, they're doing their things and doing each other. Exactly. (laughs) So apparently having a pretty good time because they seem pretty happy about it all. Now, uh, we see them walking through the forest and they come across a couple of saviors shooting golf balls. But they go undetected and... I guess they decide they need to take out these saviors, but we kind of yada- yada over that and we cut straight to them driving in the car with
1: the savior's supplies. I don't know if they took them out uh, because they were uh, the the position they were in was uh, there was a truck with an open bed between them and the golfing saviors so I think they just kind of snuck up and got into the back of that truck and took a couple of things and then buggered off.
0: Do you think they could do that, though, without them being detected? Like, they were right there hitting golf balls. There's no way you could walk up without being seen or well, heard. Heard? No,
1: because, I mean. you know, playing golf is a very intense sport. You've played golf. I've played golf with you. And do you really know what's going on around you when you're focused on golf? I've seen you golf, and you are so laser-focused on that ball <laughs> that uh, you don't even know that I'm standing behind you gyrating and giving you the finger and making funny faces at you. You had no idea the whole time. Well okay, when you put
0: it that way, maybe I was really focused on the golf game, and I'm kind of glad I was, because I
1: don't want to see you gyrating and making funny faces at me and giving that's me the right. finger. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been a long time since we golfed together, but, you know, that's what I—that's how I remember it. Okay. Yeah. We've
0: golfed together a few times over the years, and I have really only golfed a few times over the years. So,
1: exactly. like, I'd probably say at least 50% of my golf games have been with you. So uh, look at it this way. What do you think is more likely uh, for the saviors to notice? A few things going missing out of the back of their truck or two saviors not coming back?
0: Well, I agree with you. I think it would be kind of a bad move to kill these guys because it alerts the rest of the saviors that something happened. Um, Now, just them not coming back doesn't necessarily mean they're dead. They could have ran off. They could have defected. They could have... Uh, got lost, you know, but so, so just the fact that they don't show up isn't necessarily all that, it doesn't mean that Negan's going to suddenly be like, oh my God, Rick killed more of my guys. But I do think you're right. It's safer to just leave them be, but I I don't think they would have stolen their stuff. I think they would have just moved along and I know they need the stuff, but is the risk worth
1: it? One of them happened. Like one of the scenarios happened. Either they took t- these two guys out and only took chips and batteries, or they just snuck up to the back of the truck and stole some chips and batteries.
0: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I feel like they probably would have killed them because it would have been just easier, <laughs> which is sort of a sad state of affairs. I don't state of know. Affairs.
1: Easier for, ugh, easier's a, you know a relative term. For me, it would be easier to sneak up to the back of the truck and take a couple of things and sneak back because... Uh, you know, they're, they're playing golf, they're focused. Is it easier to, you know, take two guys out and have it yada yada over in my life? I don't think so. But it's Rick and Michonne. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you can get a lot done in a yada yada by these two people.
0: No, you can. I, I I just feel like Michonne would have just had to sneak up to them, you know, sword to the neck to each of those guys and down they go. And she's pretty proficient with that sword now.
1: Yeah. I'm of the opinion that they just stole some stuff and buggered off.
0: All right. Well, either way, they got their stuff. We cut to the car. Michonne is in there and she's talking about uh, heading back, but Rick convinces her to stay out another day and a half. And again, they seem happy. They're laughing. They're having a good time and they're really getting along well. We go to the opening credits
1: oh okay so uh there's another I'm just as I always do I play along in with the video as we're uh, as we're talking along and there's a close-up of the back of the truck and in the back of the truck is a couple of bottles of beer and a bag of chips and a radio right at the tailgate of that truck and- so if they just took the radio and the chips it's right there out in the open uh, at the back of the of the truck right near the tailgate
0: and later on we in the episode, we see them drinking the beer and they're eating the chips,
1: right? And using the radio because they talk yeah. about the batteries for the radio. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: So not dead is what you're saying? I Yeah, I, I rest my case. Okay, very good. Now, have you ever tried to quietly pick up a bag of chips? That's hard to do.
1: I've done it. I've done it. I, had a, I, used to, I used to play D&D with Mike Robillard, my, uh, my, my D&D buddy and a good friend who was, played bass in many bands that I've been in over the years. And that guy hated, absolutely despised the sound of chip bags. And if you ever made a noise with a chip bag, he would give you the dirtiest of looks and usually comment on it. So uh, over the years of being in a band and playing D&D with this guy, I've learned to be very stealthy with chip bags.
0: That is he can p- be done. Human beings are a weird lot, man. The fact that anyone would would be that opposed to the sound of a chip bag is bizarre.
1: Every you know, everybody's got their thing. His thing was chip obviously, bags. Obviously, obviously, everyone has their thing. And horns. Doesn't... He would put uh, he would put on prosthetic horns on his head uh, during Halloween or some other kind of stuff, and they look perfectly natural on the guy. Like it's just like okay, yeah, right. Mike has horns, and it's just normal. <laughs> okay, so why not? I suppose <laughs> it's just weird. All
0: right. Back to the episode, opening credits wrap up. We've got Rosita. She's working on her stitches. Uh, they are in Alexandria, right? Tara comes over. She offers to help, but Rosita's all done. So Rosita's removing her stitches. Uh, Yeah. I said working on them. That could have been, yeah. you know, whatever no, she's I, taking. I've them done
1: out. that with my finger, like got stitches because I cut my finger and I removed them myself because I didn't feel like going back to the hospital to get them removed. This was before the days of self-dissolving stitches, right? Right, right. They just dissolve away and that's that.
0: Um, Tara is kind of optimistic about their situation, but Rosita, not so much. And Rosita says that she can't keep waiting. She needs to go out searching for guns. She's got to do something. Uh We cut back to Rick and Michonne on the road. Rick is sleeping in the van. Eventually they park and Rick is still asleep. And Michonne is outside the van tending to a fire when she sees a deer. So she goes to get a gun from the van but wakes Rick up in the process. But when she returns, the deer is gone. So no deer for them. No deer. Did you notice how quiet they were when they were walking through the woods towards the deer?
1: They were dead quiet.
0: Yeah. So uh, you mean after, when when he comes out, they sort of walk into the forest a little bit and Rick says he owes her a deer? Yes. Right? Okay. So, yeah. th-
1: so they were moving through the woods and it was, uh, it was obviously... Uh, that they didn't put in the proper Foley, like they didn't, uh, the noise that they would have made was more than what was in the audio track. But I'm just saying that these two people are extremely stealthy and quiet. Like even normal sounds that they, a normal person would wake make moving through a normal situation, they obviously don't make. They're, they're half ghosts. I, I actually, in all seriousness, I don't mind that.
0: Like, these are experts. These are people who have done, been doing this for a long time, and it kind of supports the cold open with them being able to sneak up to the van and take stuff, right?
1: Exactly. I'm just, you know, I'm still, even though I rested my case, I'm still making my case because, you know, I never really rest
0: a case. No, no, you never do. Uh, that's cool. And, and I don't care if it's, you know, they just didn't put in the stepping sound effects or whatever. I think it's, it's important in the episode. Yeah, if, I agree. If they are supposed to be that quiet. Uh, anyways, they walk into the distance a little bit and then they see something apparently in the distance. Uh, we cut to them approaching a fence that is draped with cloth so you can't really see through it. Rick starts banging on it and attacks uh, uh and attracts a zombie that has a military gun hanging on its back. Mm-hmm. So they kill it and they inspect some spent casings on the ground and they start looking around. That's cool. Some stuff's going on. Yeah. Back with Rosita. She is inspecting a building and she sees a gun on the ground of the doorway to this building, just inside the door. But of course, when she goes for it, a big old bloated zombie, ugly looking thing comes stumbling out of the door. Yep. Bit of a jump scare there. Um, You know, kind of thing I don't love, but I guess it's okay. I I mean, that zombie was just hiding behind the door the whole time. Rosita
1: walked up and she... Comes shambling out. Yeah, well, we have lurkers, right? There's yeah, lurkers. They're just zombies that, like, uh, nah, I can't go anywhere. I'm too fat. I'm just going to sit here and wait for somebody to come to me. And then they start moving anyway. Well, yeah, because you know, if somebody comes to you finally, like, hey, my dinner's here. My, you know, my finally, dinner. the pizza has arrived. <laughs> the human pizza has arrived. I can eat. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> That's good. Well. This, this was a big, gross, ugly looking zombie. It kind of reminded me of teabag a little bit, but. It did, yeah. Uh, but not, you know, in a well. True, behind a door. Behind a door, yeah. Is there a teabag that you can, is there a name you can use for a zombie that's hiding behind a
1: door that looks like it's been dipped in water? Uh, I assume teabag, because, you know, you can put teabags behind doors. All right. I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Uh... She,
0: you know, she swipes at it a couple of times, slashes its throat, but doesn't really get the head, uh, but then ultimately uses a machete down the center of the head and takes it out. Turns out the gun was a toy gun.
1: Toy gun, too bad. It had a little orange nub on the end, like they're supposed Mm to. They're supposed to all be orange, aren't they? Aren't toy guns supposed to be not actual gun color Uh, nowadays?
0: uh, Well, I think you just have to have the orange bit on the end. I, I mean, l- rules may be different in different countries, right? I don't know about yeah. Canada versus the U.S. or anywhere else, but you could be right. They could be here. It could be that they have to all be a weird color.
1: Yeah, I think in Canada, they ha- they can't be uh, in any way mistaken for a real gun. So they have to be painted a different color or be of plastic that's a different color than a real gun. Right, which is usually an outrageous color like orange or yellow or blue or something.
0: As compared to black or gray? Is that what guns are? Black or gray? Uh,
1: blue, gray,
0: yeah. All right. Um. So Rosita's bummed about that, but we go back to Rick and Michonne. They are, are now climbing up on the roof
1: for a better look of around the surrounding area. And I knew this was a mistake as soon as I saw them get up there, because you remember what happened last time they went onto a roof? Yes, I do. I knew
0: this was a mistake too. Every time they go on a roof, it collapses. Yeah, so... I guess it's a trope now. Especially one that's covered in water that's been sitting there and rotting through the wood or the shingles or whatever. The only thing missing
1: was a helicopter.
0: Yeah, exactly. So they get up on the roof for a better look. It turns out they found some kind of old, run-down, derelict, leftover carnival attraction. Yeah, some kind of midway. Something like that. And there's all sorts of military zombies shuffling around. Most of them have guns strapped to them. And, uh, you know, they are looking over all this and they happily say to themselves, this is it. And this, this is what they're looking for. This is, you know, all the weapons and all the guns they think they're going to need. Mm-hmm. And so, they uh, they can play some of the games even. Uh, that's right. That's what they meant, right? Forget the weapons. We're going to go and yeah. have fun doing a ring toss.
1: Yeah, we do a ring toss or maybe they even have balloons for like, you know, when you throw the darts at the balloons, they might have like whole bags full of balloons. Whole they need balloons. balloons. Obviously for their various, uh, things that they need to do, mm-hmm. like, uh, herding zombies and such, they need, you know, a red balloon and a green balloon and various balloons. So, you know, Midway might have a bunch of balloons.
0: They probably do. They probably do. Now, um, Michonne takes out her scoped rifle and she takes a couple of shots. This is the one that's badly sighted, right? Um, I, okay, I guess so, but I wasn't sure why she was taking those shots. What was she doing there?
1: She was trying out the thing. Maybe she, you know, maybe she thought she fixed the, uh, fixed the scoping issue and was trying it out, or maybe she just wanted to see if they could, uh, you know, use it to take out a bunch of the zombies from a distance rather than having to get up close and personal.
0: Okay. But, but I didn't get it.
1: Like maybe you're right. Maybe they
0: it didn't occur to me that maybe she was testing it because they fixed it. So she takes it out. She takes a couple of shots at some glass bottles
1: in one of the games. And no. No? She didn't. She was taking a shot at zombies and missed the zombies, but hit the glass bottles. And that was funny. And they laughed at it. It's like, oh, look what I did. I shot the the bottles uh, like I was playing a game. But in fact, I was aiming at a zombie and that's hilarious.
0: So it was a joke? The whole thing was, was played well, as It wasn't a joke? a
1: joke. It was just a, you know, happenstance of, uh, you know, humor. Okay. So but what was her original,
0: uh, why did she take those shots? What was she, she was trying to hit zombies? Yes. And then she missed, and they yeah. thought that was funny.
1: They hit something else that you know uh, the carnival game or the midway game is to take a uh, a BB gun and shoot the bottles or right. you know, some right. some games you shoot the targets and this particular game you throw a baseball at it. But she missed the zombie, but won the game. Okay, the midway game.
0: Yeah. Okay. I can I can sort of I didn't really pick up on that while watching it, but I still don't understand why she was shooting. Like, isn't that just going to attract? The noise is going to attract zombies, and they're standing up there getting a good look. And there's a lot of them around, so they were depends
1: on the distance. Like, if uh, a long range rifle like that, you can't really tell where it's coming from uh, unless you're you know really paying attention or you have specialized equipment. Because I think the military has equipment that can tell when you fire a shot, it can direction sense the direction of where the shot came from, sure. But uh, you know, zombies are pretty stupid. They'd be like, "Oh, I heard a gunshot, and it's reported all over the place. Like there's noise coming from all the different directions. I can't tell where it's coming." Yeah, okay.
0: From. It just didn't. It just didn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm thinking they're up there looking around. I mean. Is the plan to stay up there and shoot them all? Or is the plan to go down and kill them? So I, I don't know. I didn't quite I thought get
1: the it. plan was to stay up there and shoot them all using this magic rifle where every time Michonne, Michonne shoots at something, she misses it and hits something else that's important. Right. <laughs> yes, so this time true. it was a bottles. She won the Midway game. Okay. I guess. It's... But before they had a chance to bring their plan to fruition, which is shoot as many zombies as they could from this high vantage point where the zombies can't get to anyway, even if they heard the shots, Uh, before they could do that, uh, they fell through the roof because they're stupid and they don't remember that every time they climb on a roof, they fall through.
0: Okay, roof collapses. And before we cut to commercial, you can hear them laughing from inside the building. So still happy.
1: And yeah, I, and it's I guess, a very giggly episode. I guess they're
0: that. okay. I guess they're okay. We come back and it turns out they've landed inside the building. They're still laughing and they are surrounded by pallets of canned food and supplies.
1: So I don't, they've hit the mother load. They have. And what did they land on? Were you able to tell? I, I still can't tell. No. A bunch of boxes maybe? Maybe some boxes. A, boxes of waterbed?
0: <laughs> I thought maybe it was a mattress, but that would just be too perfect, you know? So I, I don't think they landed on a mattress. I think maybe it's just uh, more boxes or something that's not going to hurt you too bad when you land on it. Yeah. I don't know.
1: It's like the only thing in this whole building that uh, wouldn't have, you know, wrecked their backs by falling. Yeah. Or broken their legs. They landed on something uh, very soft and convenient. Well, and it's only one story. So they fell and they
0: land on something which makes it less than a full story fall, you know. It's not that bad, but you're right. I couldn't really tell what it is either, but either way, the point is they have found a lot of good stuff.
1: They really did. Like not only, like the pallets were full. Pallets were filled with canned goods and MREs, which is just absolute perfect. Like that's exactly what you want to find.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but before we find out what happens there, we go back to Rosita and she's gone to see Father Gabe and she's kind of lamenting to him that she had a gun- And she was all ready to kill Negan, but then she went and talked to him and he sort of talked her out of it, sort of. And she says she was stupid to listen to Gabe. And if she hadn't, Spencer and Olivia would still be alive and so on and so on. And he responds basically that they still need her and that it's better that she's alive. You know, if she ended up killing Negan there or something like that, she might not have survived. And he asks her, What's important now is what you're going to do with your life, since you still have it. He's he's kind of telling her, I think, that she she has a second chance. Yep. And I don't think to Father Gabriel that means a second chance to go after Negan, but I think that's exactly what it means to Rosita.
1: Yeah, well, he's talking in riddles, right? He sort he's sort of He's not is. actually speaking, you know, you can do good things now, uh, you know, you have uh, the rest of your life to do God's work— and uh, he didn't say that. What he said was, you have a second chance, which is ambiguous because she could read it like, oh, okay, I got a second chance. I'll take my shot again.
0: I'll give it another try. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I I like the scene though. I think I think Father Gabe has, uh, has been a pretty important part of the last few episodes, right? He sort of led them to the uh, scavengers and he stepped up in that scene and here he is advising, you know, his friends again as, as his, uh, would be his role probably as, as a priest. So I, I'm kind of digging Father Gabe again, you know,
1: which, which I'm, I'm okay with. And he's wearing his Roman collar again. Did you notice?
0: That's right. And even though he's still weird, like he still speaks sort of strangely and he kind of just comes and goes, but it's, it's okay. It's working for me now. Okay, good. Back to Rick and Michonne there opening the, And for some reason they're eating by candlelight. This, this kind of thing sort of bugs me. I mean, number one, I guess the candles were just there because they're not bringing them with them. And two, why would you light 14 candles and position them all around the room like that and have this nice sort of romantic MRE meal?
1: Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly what they would, they wanted. They wanted a little bit of atmosphere in there in order to enjoy their, uh, their ready to eat meals. They're RTEs, according to the R- show. Yeah, they're RTEs, or basically they're MREs. I don't know why they wouldn't just call them MREs with meals ready to eat, which is what the military term is for an MRE. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know why they did that, but they did that, and uh, but apparently uh, these pallets also contain candles uh, and you, and they position c- candles all over the place, uh, maybe, well, there's, I can think of three different reasons why they would put candles all over the place. One is, uh, romantic atmosphere. Right, romance. that It is, yeah. Uh, two is heat, because, uh, have enough candles, and they generate quite a bit of heat.
0: Yeah, sure, but you'd, you'd group them all, like, right around you to sort of centralize that heat. You wouldn't spread them around the room, but okay, fair enough, heat.
1: No, I, you know, I've, you know, tried to create a romantic atmosphere in my, uh, in my, distant past. We're lighting <laughs> a bunch of candles in a room in order to make this kind of nice ambiance. And uh, that room heated up real fast. Okay. Like to the point where it's like, holy crap, this looks nice, but I can't stand this anymore. We had to blow out a whole bunch of the candles. Uh, so maybe by distributing them, you're, you know, they're trying to generate uh, some heat. Maybe it's cold in there in the middle of the summer. I don't know. Uh, the third reason is uh, by placing candles on the floor, uh, it increases your chance of accidentally knocking one over and starting a fire. And maybe that's what they want. Well, for fi- some
0: reason. Fires are dramatic, that's for sure.
1: Maybe they have, maybe one of them's a, a bit of a, you know, got a bit of a fire bug. I, I can see the light. I mean, you,
0: you, if you're going to sit in there having some light and sit in there and eat, I mean, having some light is good. Otherwise, it's pitch black, right? So you definitely need some light. So there are practical reasons do have some candles in there. Light and heat, fine. Um, but I just, I'm not sure you'd light so many, and I don't think you would strategically position them around the room unless you're going for the romance of it all.
1: Right. I'm so. looking at the, the the shot of this scene, and then the background, it looks like there's a quilt, and what they fell on, Looks like beds, there's beds strewn about this place. So I think this was uh, you know all the the military personnel that's out and about in this uh, midway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was their their base, like where they were they were stationed at this time because they had all the food, the, the military rations, and I think that they had uh, rigged up a bunch of beds for them to sleep on. So I think that's what they fell on when they fell through the roof is they actually fell onto a bed. Okay, well, <laughs> they couldn't have been luckier in that case. No, I mean, you know, you know, now they they stumbled on a place with food, candles, and beds. Why wouldn't you make it nice and romantic? And all their guns are walking around outside. So yeah, we've got guns walking around outside, you know, ready to go and get at uh, at our leisure once we've had our fill of various uh, pleasures, and uh, you know, just let's just chill for a little bit, have some chili you know, eat some, you know, eat some candles or look at candles anyway. (laughs) Right. And, uh, have some sex and then we'll go, uh, kill some zombies. Well, this is- Sounds like a perfect weekend for them.
0: Well, this is the life they have now and it's the best it's going to get. Now they're talking about the plan, of course, that they got to bring guns to Jadis and she'll fight with them and then Negan will be dead. And Michonne wants to know what happens after that. And she says that Rick will need to be the leader of everybody, the Hilltop, the kingdom, all the communities. But he says he doesn't want to do it, or he might not even be the right guy for the job. He might not be good at it. And Rick instead suggests that they reorder the world together. They sort of be like co-leaders or king and queen of, of this new, uh, new commun- group of communities. Um, and then he goes on to suggest that they stay out for even more days because, well... When you're on a road trip with your lady and all you're doing is killing zombies and eating food and having sex, why would you ever want to go home, right?
1: Yeah, they got enough food for, you know, three weeks for the sex. At, at least. At before least. they have to go back. Good Lord, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, but Michonne is thinking a little more clearly, uh, more with her mind, and she says they should <sighs> definitely go back. Outside, the walkers are roaming. It is nighttime. And inside, Michonne is asleep but Rick is sitting there on the bed awake. That's the that's what we cut to. That's what we see. After a commercial break, we go back to Tara, and she's back at Alexandria fiddling with her shell bracelet and apparently looking after Judith. Yeah. So people have been Judith wondering. Judith growing up. Holy moly, is Judith old now. She has grown a lot of unkempt hair. Yeah, as we all do. We do, I guess. O- over time. <laughs> that's true, but Judith is looking old, is wearing jeans, you know, she's, yeah. she's a, practically a teenager. Yeah. Uh, and Tara's talking out loud to her about, you know, her secret about Oceanside. And she's debating whether she should say anything. And she figures that they'll just end up fighting with them if she says anything, because they won't want to give up their guns, but Rick will want them and he won't leave without them. And someone will start shooting and then they'll all be dead. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I took away from this is is that basically, and she said this, she's questioning what makes their lives any more or less valuable than anybody else's. So can she really say anything if this is the outcome, if it's just going to end up in them fighting and killing each other? So is it fair to say anything? And it's a struggle. I can see why she's struggling with that.
1: Yeah. No. And Judith might have the answer.
0: Well, you know, sometimes you just got to say your thoughts out loud and who better than a baby who
1: can't repeat them, really. Yeah. Did you tell your daughter's secrets before they learned how to talk? Stuff you didn't want, you know, your wife to know or other people to know? pretty sure she knows all my secrets. Well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, to reason things out, you know, rubber duck debugging, that kind of thing. I do that
0: all the time.
1: Yeah. Do you actually use a rubber duck or what do you use? Well, most of the time I use the guy that sits beside me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Andrew, I'm just going to talk to you for a minute. If you have any thoughts, sure. But half the time when I say something, when I talk to him out loud, the problem, or the solution
1: to the problem comes to me anyways. So yeah. No, it's good stuff.
0: It is good. It's a, a very effective way of solving problems, mm-hmm. talking them out loud.
1: So yeah, so she's using a uh, time-honored uh, you know, method of uh, reasoning out a problem by talking to someone who, you know, may or may not care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Or, yeah, who may or may not care or or have any uh, advice to give, but the fact of you saying it out loud usually works. Yeah. Back at the carnival, we have Rick and Michonne. They devise a plan to separate and kill the walkers in smaller groups. Um, and even entering this fight, they, they're kind of joking around about how they can do this and how Rick is. So, what he's going to do is move a car to block an entrance in the fence. He just has to kill one walker to get to the car. Michonne has to kill the other eight. Like, yep. they kind of have a laugh about that. And, uh, when Rick gets to the car, though, he finds that there is a walker that's been smashed through the windshield and he has trouble pulling it out. So he pulls a foot off first, then he pulls the legs off. They separate from the torso. It's really nasty. And, uh, the whole thing comes out in pieces while Michonne is doing her thing rather handily with her katana. Yep. So eventually Rick gets, you know, the whole thing out and, you know, he starts pushing the car. Michonne comes over to help, but then they discover that the brakes don't work so that they can't stop the car when they get to the hole in the fence. And then I feel like the dumbest thing and well, maybe the second dumbest thing in the episode happened, and
1: that is that basically a zombie starts shooting at them. <laughs> yes. And so he gets, there's all these sticks sticking out the back of a truck, and the zombie walks into the sticks uh, with a firearm at his side, And the trigger gets stuck on a stick and gets depressed and it starts shooting. Yeah, basically that's what
0: happened. The trigger gets stuck on one of these rods or whatever they are sticking out of this truck. And he's just trying to walk. And the gun is, you know, pointing in the right direction at more or less the right pitch. Is it pitch? Like up or down? I don't know. Why not? And and it's shooting and it's shooting at them out of nowhere, right at the right right slash wrong time, depending on how you look at it. And uh I thought that was kind of dumb. It was just it, sort of an unnecessary, stupid thing that they didn't really need. A zombie shooting at them.
1: I'm gonna go past your uh kinda dumb analysis there. Okay. It was downright stupid. Like it was just I I really, really disliked it. Me me too.
0: I, I disliked it both times I saw it. Um I would have preferred a living human, like maybe one of those saviors came back and started shooting at them, you know, a living human being shooting a gun would have been better.
1: Or just not shooting a gun. Like, yeah. why, you know, we didn't need the gun. Like, really, we didn't need this. Like, ah, ha, ha, that's funny. Uh, now they're getting shot at by a zombie by accident. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. That soldier had his weapon, not at the ready, but around his, uh, you know, stored at his back, but uh, didn't have the safety on and uh, got his trigger caught and started firing off. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Very convenient. So the end result is that Michonne has to jump in the trunk of the car that is rolling away. She pulls the trunk down. It doesn't stop at the fence. It continues going. And then Rick is in the car. Michonne is in the trunk. And they are now surrounded by zombies, which we've seen before. Characters stuck in cars surrounded by zombies
1: or in tanks. We've seen Rick uh, stuck in tanks, tanks uh, which too. also yeah. had convenient ex- exits, but we'll get there in a second. Just one a uh, couple of things I wanted to talk about while uh before we got to this point. Sure. Uh one is when Rick was pulling the uh that zombie out of the windshield of the car. I don't know if you know this, but military uniforms are designed in such a way that they're easy to grab and pull a person so that if someone's injured, you can grab them by Pretty much grabbing anything on their upper body and just pulling it, and it will. Their whole person will come with them, no problem. Uh, webbing. I know the Canadian uh, military. When I was in basic training, we had webbing that we wore like the suspenders with a belt kind of thing. Yeah. It had a handle on the back, like in the back of your, just between your shoulder blades. There was a handle because if you wanted to be pulled. In a combat situation, it's easy to just grab the handle and go. So the fact that Rick was pulling this guy, if he would have grabbed anything on this guy's torso, like not just the boots or the, the pants or whatever, but grabbed anything on his torso and pulled, the whole guy would have come out, no problem. So that that's the first thing. Okay. The second thing is uh, the zombie that was shooting, right behind him was a 500-gallon propane tank, which if this place is pristine and... uh you know, hasn't been touched since the the initial zombie outbreak, if this uh, situation was true, like the zombies have been wandering around for a couple of years uh, with their guns still, uh, you know, on them. Everything is uh, exactly as it was right after the initial outbreak. Nobody's ever stumbled across this. That 500-gallon propane tank is the prize. Other than the food, that's the thing to take because that's, that's just free power. Yeah, no, you're right, but you can't, it's hard to
0: move that tank. You'd have to take the propane out in smaller that's tanks. That's true. Yeah. But I guess that's what you do, right?
1: Yeah, or you know, do what uh, do what Carol did and shoot the thing, and it blows up, makes a big kerfuffle. Every ball of the zombies go that way, and uh, you deal with it like that. I guess so. Yeah, you could, um, but uh, yeah,
0: I, I see what you mean about pulling the dude out. Like he grabbed it's like he grabbed his boot, his foot came off,
1: grabbed his legs and his legs came off, you know? Yeah. Um, But he didn't stop. Like when he was, when Rick was pulling that boot and it started ripping off, he didn't go, oh, well, that's not going to work. He just kept pulling until the whole thing came off and then looked at it in his hand like, oh no, woe is me. His foot came off. Now whatever am I going to do? Oh, gross. Yeah. It was just, it was uh, unrealistic and overacted. A little bit, a little bit.
0: Well, they're stuck in the car surrounded by zombies. We go to a commercial and come back. Rick jumps out the sunroof, and Michonne follows. So yeah, somehow she made her way from the trunk into the interior of the car. I guess the seat folded down, maybe. N-
1: normal, normally, yeah, seats fold down nowadays. If you have a trunk, yeah, I guess so. Like, uh, not really, actually, do they? Well, mine does. Oh, okay. Mike, and then, and you can do that from the trunk. Like trunks in modern cars can be opened from the inside, right? It didn't look like, like you that. Have modern to, a a handle. Car to me. It was a little bit older, but I assumed that. If the seats didn't fold down, Sean has a knife. She can get through a seat. I'm not overly worried about it. Yeah, no, I know. It just felt like the kind of thing that you'd think they would have shown or
0: addressed, but I guess not.
1: Well, we glossed over them, you know, stealing and or killing from the the, the saviors. There's a yeah. lot we can gloss over with these two, right? Because they're powerful characters with lots of uh, resources and skills. We don't have to see every little thing, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, but they get up on top of the car, they, they kick a few zombies in the face, and then they jump over off the car over a nearby fence. So now they're using the fence as a barrier to kill some of them, but of course it doesn't hold. So they have to retreat to separate locations to split them up into smaller groups, and, uh, Michonne is going for a big slide that has a fence around it. And Rick goes for the Ferris wheel that has a fence around it. Now on the way, he grabs a pole with a hook on the end to use mm-hmm. as a weapon. And it's one of these poles that they'd use to get the, the high hanging carnival prizes down from the, the top. If yep. someone won, you know, a big blue donkey or something like that. Because the blue donkeys are the best prize. Best prize for sure. Uh, so it's like a toy hanger hook kind of thing. And I think that's a terrible weapon, frankly.
1: It's a metal thing on a stick. I mean...
0: Yeah, sure. But it's, it's not a, that bad. It's a frigging hook. You'd you'd stab it into something and just end up getting it stuck or pulling the zombie closer to you.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if if Morgan can do this with just a stick, you know, Rick's doing this with uh, a stick with a metal thing on the end. Yeah. Thing is fine. If it was some sort of metal spike, if it was a, if it
0: was a, uh, hoe... You know, that would be okay. But yep. Hook, I, I'm not so sure is a good thing. Anyways, I'll allow it. Um, he ends up at the Ferris wheel, like I said, and they start killing zombies from their respective locations. So they spend some time killing the zombies and, uh you know, we get a sort of back and forth killing montage. We see each one of them doing one quick back and forth. I didn't mind that. I thought it was pretty cool. They take out a whole bunch and then Rick suddenly sees another deer or maybe the Yay. same deer. I don't know. Sort of. Uh, a deer. Yeah. He's, uh,
1: that's, yeah, he sees a sort of deer. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is even, this is the worst, you know, virtual animal insert that I've ever seen. Not like to, on TV or yeah. like, you might, might as well have uh, painted a cartoon deer on the, uh, on the on cell, cell, whatever, cellophane, cell tape, what do you call it? Stuff you filmed on Uh, cellulose, cellulose. okay. Like actually took somebody and painted a cartoon image on the cellulose. It was horrible.
0: It was, it was the single worst visual effect I've ever seen on the show.
1: Like, I don't know what they're doing. Not even just this show. Like this is the worst, single worst visual effect, serious visual effect that I've ever seen on TV. Yeah,
0: you're, you may be right. I mean, it was so bad i i don't want to you know make the visual effects people i don't want to upset them but it was friggin' god awful i don't know how it passed like the quality assurance phase of making this tv show
1: oh it was just it was so bad it was i i I not it's embarrassing it it that it it is kind of embarrassing and i I, I i'm embarrassed
0: (laughs) It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's amazing that this, that was put out that way, frankly. I mean, they, it's a good thing that all of the practical effects on this show are actually really good and that they do a lot of them with practical effects because if, if all the friggin' zombies looked as bad as this because they were computer generated,
1: I mean, the show would have been canceled by now. Absolutely. Right? So it I was I mean they terrible. have a there's a lot of visual effects. Like every time Michonne takes off somebody's head with her sword or whacks somebody in the face with her sword, that's all visual effect, right? That's not really practical effect. She's holding a stump of a sword and they draw the rest of it in. Okay, maybe. Yeah, you're right. I guess those work fine, but they seem to be very they seem to be okay at doing that. Yeah, they are. They're really good. And yeah. just I th- I think that as a society and as a uh, you know, a technological uh, entertainment industry that we and they have moved beyond the point where a, a visual effect can look this bad when you're trying to insert something that's obviously not real. Right? We've gotten past this, right? <laughs> well, I
0: think we have. I it's because I've I haven't seen anything this terrible in a long time. So
1: do you you've seen uh uh, there's a movie out there with Don Knotts where he turns into a fish. I have not seen that, but I I want to. <laughs> yeah, it, there's it's basically Don Knotts turns into a fish, and it's a cartoon inserted into the real world. Uh-huh. Right? And this was done in the 70s or maybe even late 60s. It looked better than this. My like I God. was more I believed that Don Knotts was that fish more than I believed that that deer was in this shot. Yeah, it's that is. That is saying something right there, man. That is crazy. (laughs) Who Framed Roger Rabbit was like way beyond this, but that's a movie. They got movie budgets. This is a TV show. They got TV show budgets, but still, okay, we just, we got to move on. We got to move on. It was terrible.
0: Uh, The other problem I have with this is Rick sees the deer and the first thing he does is abandon his battle with the zombies, which are right there, to climb up the Ferris wheel and try to take a shot at this deer because he owes his girlfriend a deer.
1: Yeah, and if you were a deer, uh, would you just be as calm as could be being in the middle of this uh, carnival, eating grass with all oh, these zombies screaming deers, and yelling and deers doing
0: stuff? Deers don't even like to go anywhere near human beings. And that's even if you're like standing still and not doing much. They'll know you're there and they'll run away, right? The zombies are moving around, making noise, getting slashed with swords, and the deer's just casually eating the grass, standing there. Dumb. Yeah. Uh,
1: Okay. Uh, (laughs) Right? You know, I I was annoyed by this, but I'm getting more angry than I thought I was going to. Right. So I think for the sake of my sanity, uh, we should move on (laughs) from the deer. Okay. So
0: anyways, my whole point beyond all that is that Rick makes a terrible, awful, uncharacteristic decision to stop what he's doing which is an immediate problem and they have to deal with to go and try to climb the thing first of all which is dumb and then shoot the deer uh but of course he uh he the deer runs off or he changes his mind or something he doesn't take the shot and then the Ferris wheel breaks whatever he's standing on breaks and he falls off yeah so he's in trouble Rick's on the ground he's shooting zombies Michonne is running to help and as she gets there, Rick runs out of ammo and it looks like he's overtaken by zombies, or at least there's a big crowd of them eating something on the ground. Yeah. I Yeah. Michonne, she stands and watches. She assumes it's Rick being eaten. He is now dead. She drops her sword, kind of does like, it kind of goes a little slow motion. I feel like, you know, Michonne is reeling from this and, uh, one of the zombies or a few of them get a good look at her and start coming her way. So now she's got no sword. She's emotionally devastated, unable to probably fight back, probably, and the zombies are coming at her. Yep. Well, what happens? Suddenly, Rick comes out of a box, nearby box. He emerges triumphantly, (laughs) not dead, not bitten, nothing. And he grabs her sword and he throws it to her, which she... One hand grabs and starts swinging at zombies. Right. So situation (laughs) resolved, right? Well, uh, the scene reminded me of when R2-D2 launched the lightsaber from Jabba's main, uh, barge or whatever they call it. And Luke- Sail barge. Sail barge. That's right. And Luke caught it after flipping off the, uh, the diving board into the Sarlacc pit and started swinging at- Jabba's people.
1: Right. Okay. So...
0: Which in Star Wars was amazing.
1: It was amazing. Can we break this down a little bit? I know we kind of got stuck on that deer, but I'd like to break this down as well. In The Walking
0: Dead, I didn't think it was as amazing, although it was still sort of cool. But true. Break it down.
1: Go for it. I don't think it was cool. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. For a couple of reasons. All right. I really... Really hated this scene. I hated this scene for uh, personal reasons. I hated this scene because to me it didn't work. I felt uh, like it was reminding me of something that uh, was really horrible. If Rick had come out from underneath a dumpster, I would have liked it more. I would have been, oh yeah, he, you know, that would that would have made sense to me. But he Why? came out there was a box. Precedent for it or something? Okay, first of all, he was being surrounded by zombies. Like it's not like it's not something else. Like we can't pretend that it wasn't Rick that was being surrounded by zombies. So they overwhelmed him. He went through an underground tunnel to come out on the side of Michonne because between where he was and the 90 or 100 degrees to Michonne's side where he came out of the box, there was nothing to hide behind. So the only way he could have gotten from in that horde of zombies... To where he came out of the box was to go underground.
0: Well, I, are you think, do you think we just didn't see him move? Like Michonne took longer than it sort of indicated in the episode to get there. And he was able to escape sideways.
1: Maybe, but why wouldn't Michonne have seen that?
0: Well, she was too far away at the time.
1: No, she wasn't. It was right within her field of vision. She yeah. took her eyes off of it for a second so she could move some shit out of the way to get in there, but there's no way she wouldn't have seen Rick go and then come out from a box. Like,
0: Yeah. No, I know what you mean. It also didn't really feel like, I mean, I guess we're we're supposed to believe they were eating the deer, right? It didn't feel like that Rick fell into a place
1: where, that was close enough to where the deer was. Okay. So the the sequence of events was Rick climbed the a Ferris wheel in order to get a shot at the deer. Yeah. The deer runs off, then Rick falls, then he shoots some zombies, then the zombies come and jump on him, but get the deer instead? How did the deer come back from where it ran off to? Well, or did the deer
0: just get spooked and run the wrong way into the zombies and get, yeah, get where
1: Rick was? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing that happens is that Michonne is still reeling from, you know, her boyfriend uh getting killed, and she doesn't want to live without him. And uh it's like the end of her world, right? She drops her sword, she steps back, she's stunned. Yep. She's basically out of it. Rick throws the sword mid, you know, during the while the sword is in the air, she comes to. He calls her name. He calls her name, she comes to. She had the presence of mind to actually Uh, figure out what was going on with that sword, that sword would have hit me in the head. Like it just would have, or would have flown like way over to like, oh, okay, why did you throw the sword before I knew that you were going to do that? Is that
0: what happened? Or did he call her name, get her attention and throw it? Or did did he call it in mid throw?
1: He threw it and then got her attention. Well, she is Michonne. I mean- She's not a Jedi. I mean, first of all, uh, Luke knew this was going to happen. He set this up like, a fucking year ago. Sure. And okay. He I know set that up. Everything yeah. was like planned. I don't know how he knew that uh, R2 would be on the sail barge. Uh, whatever. Jedi mind tricks, uh, being able to see the future. Who knows? It's Luke, for Christ's sake. So, you know, R2's on there, shoots out the lightsaber. Luke knows when it's going to happen, what's going to happen, and how he's going to deal with it. And he does his magic thing. And, uh, you know, Luke is awesome. Well,
0: and he can use the force to draw the lightsaber to him.
1: Oh, yeah, right. I'll, I'll you know, R2 had to just drop it on the floor and it would have been fine, right? (laughs) It's like, oh, I dropped it. Sorry about that, Rick. uh, Luke is like, no problem. And he just picks it up and away he goes, right? Sure. Okay, so Michonne's cool and everything, but she's not a Jedi. Yeah, but is she
0: the closest thing we have? I'm not saying she can draw the sword to her, but maybe she's skilled enough that she was she had time to come back to reality, realize what was going on, Her, uh, you know, aware that there was a sword flying at her and able to grab it out of midair with one hand and start swinging.
1: Okay. Uh, Out of all of this bullshit, I'll accept that. uh, That's like the kernel of, you know, something that's plausible. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, yeah, the whole thing,
0: the whole sequence from the moment Rick stops fighting the zombies to this bit where she catches the sword is kind of ridiculous yeah and it it took me out of it a bit because i couldn't watch it without thinking this is just a sequence of of uh, them trying to make something exciting that shouldn't have been so exciting and i'm not saying i don't want the show to be exciting because i do but i feel like they're trying too hard to come up with scenarios that they think are going to be cool the, the whole highway thing with the cable between the cars a couple episodes ago, and now this. They're making our characters make stupid decisions to get them in trouble, and then creating fantastical ways for them to get out of trouble.
1: Yeah. And this whole thing reminded me of Glenn being eaten. And, you know, miraculously surviving underneath the dumpster. yeah. Which is why, you know, if he came out from under a dumpster, I'd be like, I I would have accepted it. I would have been like, cool. Mm -hmm. Dumpsters are our friends. You know, you can't go on the roofs, but if there's a dumpster anywhere near you, then, you know, you know you're going to be fine because the magic dumpster will save you.
0: (laughs) It's just a rule of the universe. That's right.
1: You'll like, they've got soft heads. Right. uh, And, uh, you know, roofs collapse when you're standing on them and magic dumpsters will save you if they're within like, 15 feet of you. Well,
0: yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it didn't work very well for me either. I I must admit. Um, anyways, they, they kill the rest of the zombies and run into each other's arms, you know, big hug, big reunion. Everyone's okay. Then he grabs her ass. He does, doesn't he? It was, it was (laughs) weird. Like I noticed that too. He just totally slides the hand right down to her ass.
1: You know, that's what I would do. You know, if I, you know, my wife thought I was dead and I, uh. (laughs) You know, I was on a sex weekend with her and we, you know, embraced after uh, her thinking that I was dead, I'd probably grab her ass. I mean, yeah, you probably would. (laughs) You know? I don't know. I've accidentally hugged people that I barely know and grabbed their ass. Like, it's just, I remember, okay, it was awkward, I'll admit it, but it was just, uh, you know, my hand got away from me and, you know, ended up on her ass. And I was like, oh, sorry about that. It was, you know, a good friend of mine's wife. Be careful, Jason, be careful. No, it was an accident. It was an absolute accident, but it does happen, right? It's happened to me. I guess it happened to Rick, but, you know, he grabbed her ass. Not so sure
0: it was an accident. Well, all right. So everything is calmed down. We now, we see them collecting all the weapons and supplies. It looks to me like a really good haul. You know, we got everything, a lot of guns. And uh, Michonne seems to be upset, which I guess she's still getting over all this a little bit. Come back from a commercial break, they're in the van, they're driving back, it's full of the supplies. Rick pulls over and says he wants to be out for a couple more days, and so he still doesn't want to go home, but he admits he hasn't been sleeping because he's been thinking about who and what they've lost. He says they're he's, he, he says they know they're going to lose more people, but even then, it'll be worth it. This big fight with Negan, it'll be worth it, even though they lose people. And uh, Michonne's not so sure. She doesn't really want to lose anybody else, but he says that even if they lose each other, even if one of them dies, then it's worth it because they're making a future for Judith and Glenn and Maggie's baby and, you know, everybody else. Um, The whole point is he's saying that what they're doing is bigger than them, right? They may have to sacrifice themselves, sacrifice other things, other people, but they're going to win and the people that are left will have a better life because of it.
1: That's true. I mean, the uh, the primary objective is to take out Negan, at uh, at all costs.
0: Yeah, exactly. And 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 uh, make leave the world a better place than than you found it. Yeah. So, they are on their way. Well, I guess they go back. But we cut to Jadis's junkyard, and they're delivering the haul to them. The guns. She's concerned whether they're operational, in her funny way of speaking. Uh Rick says to the best of his knowledge they are and Jadis ends up saying that they need nearly twice as many to join this fight which is kind of concerning to everybody.
1: So I wrote down the uh, the exact dialogue for this because I want there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Okay. Uh so Jadis uh the way she's like some of the quotes from this are operational all you know it's like okay that makes sort of sense and then later she says uh uh yes yes but operational. But it's not a question. It's yes yes but operational. Like it was not a question but everybody took it as a question. Well it is a question. Uh, she's she she wants to know if they work, if they shoot. Yes, but the quote that uh okay, so one quote right near the end uh didn't make any sense to me and maybe you can help me out. She says enough to fight your fight us nearly twice. Um she's saying that She's saying
0: that in order to join your fight and have any chance, we need twice as many. Maybe, maybe she's saying we have twice as many people. So to give each person a weapon,
1: we need that many. Okay. Because it didn't make any sense to me. Like I didn't, from the, from the context, I figured out what was, what was happening. But the actual statement, uh, you know, if I was anybody else around here, I would have been what?
0: Yeah, it is a little confusing. And even hearing you say it, I had to think for a second on what she meant. But I think she's trying to say that for us to join this fight, I mean, she wants the guns to use in the battle, right? Yeah. I guess. So to, for us to join this fight, we're going to need twice as many guns as that. I think what she's kind of saying is whether we join you or not, you're going to need more guns than, than what you have here. Um, right. So... I don't know if it has anything to do with the actual number of scavenger people, but at the end of the day, they need as many weapons as they can. So at least twice as many. And I, what does he say? They have 40 something or 60 something? 63. Yeah. So they need 120
1: guns at least. I guess so. But, you know, they're, you know, in the previous agreement, they didn't come to a number, right? Like how many guns do you need? No. It's like, well, we need, uh, you know, twice as many as however many you bring me the first time. That's right. And I'm not going to tell <laughs> you until That's later. That's the deal. <laughs> That's pretty much so, the deal. Okay, so there's two other people from uh, the scavengers that have lines here. There's uh, a guy named uh, Brian who asked how many, and that's actually the quote is, how many? And then um, uh, Michonne says 63. Okay. Right? So he, that's an actual statement. There's uh, it makes sense. How many? It's a question. It's an actual question. Makes sense to me, proper English.
0: Bit of a sentence fragment, but sure, I get it.
1: Right, so... The first, uh, there's a second lady called uh, Tamiel. I forget the, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, I found this on IMDb, the character's name. There's a, a woman named Tamiel yep. who was there the first time. This, uh, Brian and Tamiel were there when Rick was in the fight, fighting the uh, the spiky zombie. Right. Uh, so it starts off with Jada saying, operational all. And then Rick says, uh, to the best of my knowledge, yeah, they need some cleaning, We but we found supplies. And then Tamiel says, expect us to do that cleaning. But that's all she said was expect us, which makes, me remember we were talking about, uh, you know, maybe it's just Jadis that talks this way? Well, obviously it's not, yeah. That's, so that's why that's, that was important to me is that this woman said something that was a sentence fragment that didn't make any sense in proper English. Well, it sort of made sense, but wasn't really a full sentence. So it leads me to believe that either they all talk this way or just the women talk this way because Brian said thing something something in a you know perfectly you know proper sentence fragment
0: yeah but you could you could also argue that it wasn't perfectly proper so we don't really know yet but it could be just the women so okay but it's not just Jadis. no the i think that's an important point it's not just Jadis. if anything it's the women it's likely all of them yeah and what does that mean i don't know it means that this is a a weird group that has developed this way of speaking intentionally,
1: probably since the zombie apocalypse broke out or since they formed this group of scavenger people. So what we can assume that we have the scavengers and we have the kingdom is that uh, people are starting to go a little weird in the, in this world.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, but, I mean, we know the deal with Ezekiel, right? He was He was in community theater and he puts on this character because it's, It's the character he felt he needed to play to get people to follow him, right? I don't get the feeling that with Jadis and everybody here, they're doing it for that kind of semi-noble reason. I feel like what they're doing is intentionally taking people off their guard. When you encounter someone that speaks with this way, all you can focus on is the way they speak, maybe not what they're saying.
1: So it's easier for them to take advantage of you. Okay. But it's a collective uh, decision that they've made to do this. Weird thing. It is.
0: And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point down the road, we get Jadis admit to Rick in perfectly normal English that she does this on purpose.
1: Right. You think she's going to get a perfectly normal haircut to go with long, along with that English later on? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> right? Take off her wig and it's just like uh, a
0: different hairdo. She'll have her Ezekiel moment. She'll have her moment where she she breaks down or opens up to Rick and explains what she's doing, Right. I think that's probably going to happen if, you know, anyone from the scavenger's team survives the big fight that they're going to get into.
1: Right. Okay. Uh,
0: But we'll have to see. But yeah, you're right. It is interesting to know now, have confirmation that at least most of the scavenger people speak this way and there's got to be a reason for it.
1: I I hope so. I hope they don't just leave it as a dangling thing that we never get resolved and that nobody even acknowledges. Like, you think somebody would say, they talk kind of funny, right? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, back
0: at Alexandria and scenes that we didn't see, they have had those conversations, but it's got to be on the show at some point.
1: Maybe it's just us. Maybe it's just us, the audience that aren't quite getting it. Maybe they're just, uh, they do talk normal, but they're trying to, the, uh, the storytellers are trying to convey a sense of oddness about these people. And the way they're doing that is by fragmenting their speech patterns.
0: Oh, that's weird. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing that has been done before, but no, I think they're actually talking like that and we're just going to have to learn to live with it until we get an explanation.
1: I want somebody to acknowledge it in the story right? I, like yeah. Rick said to Michonne, those people talk weird and she's got a strange haircut uh, because they have acknowledged that Ezekiel with his tiger and the fact that he has a kingdom and he's referred to as the king, they've acknowledged that that's weird. It is. Right? And then they've explained it. In
0: fact, this they haven't done. Everybody has thought, has, everybody who's encountered him has been like,
1: that guy's got a tiger. That's weird. Right. <laughs> right. Nobody's done that for this, for the scavengers. So I'm. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell is going on here and why. I think we'll get to it.
0: I think we'll get to it. Um, Anyways, so uh, Jadis, of course, as we've said, says they need nearly twice as many to join this fight. And they do some negotiating, the sort of Rick Jadis style of negotiation, where they just yell out numbers until they come to some sort of agreement. And eventually, they agree that Rick will keep 20 of the guns because they're going to need them to help find more and the cat, which Jada asked for back. (laughs) Uh, And then they'll go find more guns for them. So 20 guns and the cat and they'll bring them more as they find them. So uh, Michonne says to Rick, that sounds like he's going to get his few more days out on the road. Awesome. Yeah. And
1: that's what happens when you take junkyard art, you know, you get screwed over in a deal. You have to give it back.
0: Yeah. But, He's keeping the cat. The deal was, keep twenty guns and the cat, and we'll bring you more. Yeah, well, it was part of the negotiation,
1: though, right? Right, so. right.
0: All right. So back at Alexandria now. Rick and Tara are speaking. She's coming out of her house, and Rick wanders up, and he first asks if she's seen Rosita because she didn't show up for her guard shift that morning. So Rosita is now a wall. We don't know where she is for a few seconds, and Tara says to Rick that she has something to tell him. So she's obviously going to spill the beans on Oceanside and say, I know where you can get the rest of your guns, Rick. This place, we're going to have to go there. Let's try not to kill them all.
1: Yeah. And you know, she has to tell Rick before Rick gets in the house and Judith tells him. Right, right. Judith probably talks. Like, she looks like she's old enough to talk, right?
0: Yeah, she looks like she's old enough to say a few words here and there, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, to- tattle on, uh, on Tara for, uh, you know, hiding guns. Well, Tara
0: just says she has something, I have something to tell you, Rick, and that's all we get for now. We cut over to the hilltop. Rosita, there she is. She's gone to see Sasha, who is tending to Glenn and Abraham's graves. And Rosita asks Sasha for help. And of course, Sasha kind of just knows what she's talking about. She doesn't have to spell it out for her. And Sasha asks, She says, sure, I'll help you, but I want to be the one to take the shot. Right. The shot at Negan. So Rosita brought a rifle with a big scope on it. She gives it to Sasha and says, sure, you can take the shot. Here's your scope gun back. And I got to say, Sasha looks pretty satisfied holding that big gun again. That's kind of her thing on the show, right? Yes, it is. Now, they also talk a little more and they agree that if they're going to do this, they can't be caught alive because if they are... Negan will then basically have some hostages that he can exploit, and they feel that they cannot give themselves over to him like that, so they agree that this is a one-way ticket for them, unless there's some way they can kill him and escape, but I don't think either of them really feel like that is an option.
1: That's exactly what Rick was saying. And You know, you take out Negan at all costs. At all costs,
0: yeah. And that's it. That's the episode. So there you go. Um, I know, Jason, obviously we had some problems with this episode. There were some scenes in here that were really poor and stuff that took me out of it. And, uh, you know, um, really, I really disliked, uh, Michonne's work with the sword though is not one of those things. I wanted to say that I thought everything she did was great. She's, Denai Guerrero has clearly mastered that sword you know? Yeah. She's, she's done a lot of hard work to, uh, to make that look, uh, believable. I think it looked great. I think it was cool. And there were some things in this episode. I thought it was shot pretty well. I thought, you know, this was a Greg Nicotero directed episode, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so bits like where, you know, Michonne, she's standing, I think it was beside a van, um, not the van, but when they were uh, drawing the zombies in, and she draws zombies towards her and then sort of disappears behind the thing, and you just see her shadow cutting the zombies and then some blood splatter on the wall. I thought that was kind of cool, kind of nice. The scene where they walk off into the forest and you said they were super quiet, uh, you know, the camera didn't follow them. The camera stayed still looking past their van as they walked away, and I sort of liked that. I sort of thought, you don't need... It to move with them you don't need to cut to the other side and have them walk towards the camera i thought it was some just good directing choices and probably dop choices and stuff like that too so those kind of things i liked about it um i guess we've talked about you know the problems with all those scenes and stuff i did i did kind of wish there was a little bit more of a serious tone to this episode and i Rick and Michonne felt a little too happy-go-lucky at times, like when they fall through the roof, land on a bed, and start laughing. Not sure that would be the first reaction, but, you know, whatever. Having said that, though, I realized that I have, in the past, found myself craving some good things happening to these characters and some levity in the show. So now I feel stupid complaining about them giving this to us because you know, I, I can't have, I can't have it both ways, but clearly I seem to want it both ways.
1: <laughs> I think what we've had, as far as the levity goes, I agree with you that I've been, I was, you know, f- during the first half of this season, you, you kind of craved that because it was very dark. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think maybe we're overcorrecting here. Uh, you know, they've, you know, they started to skid, uh, into that, that darkness and then, uh, you know, you're trying to get back on track, but I think we've kind of overcorrected and now we got to kind of, you know, steer back to try and get to the middle ground. Because I think we've gone a little too far into yeah. the uh, the realm of levity. I think so too, but I I just hesitate to complain about it because, like I said,
0: I've in the past felt myself crave this kind of thing on the show when, when it's just nonstop um, terrible things happening to these characters. And that's kind of a hallmark of The Walking Dead. You know, not a lot of good things happen. But so now the show gives it to us. It gives us this levity. And I don't like it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I mean, that's,
1: that's like saying, uh, you know, you're, you're really thirsty and you've been out in the hot sun all day and then someone hits you in the face with a water balloon and then you feeling bad about complaining that you got hit in the face with a water balloon. You wanted some water, didn't you jerk? Here's some friggin' water. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you wanted some water, but you didn't want to be hit in the face with it. That's a really good analogy. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> I just yeah.
0: wanted a glass of water to, 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 you know, uh, parch my thirst, but I got, hit in the face with a water balloon. Yeah, there you go. All right. That's perfect. Well, there you go, guys. Find that middle ground, find that middle ground. Um, you know, Rick making the dumbest decision ever to climb the Ferris wheel and go for the deer. I just wish they could have found a better way to put him in danger without kind of undermining his character like that. You know, right. this is another thing that the show has done. They, they sometimes make, or and off, they often make the point that the, that only the smart, strong people are left, you know? All the rest of the dummies are dead because they couldn't survive in this world. And then they show our characters who are supposed to be the smart, strong ones being dummies, and it's kind of annoying, right?
1: Yeah, that was a dumb
0: dumb idea. What, what are that, they doing? Rick had? It's, yeah. you can't tell us one thing and show us something else. It kind of kind of drew me, drove me crazy a little bit there too. Um, but the Rick fake out, Death didn't bother me that much, Uh, and I realized something about it. It's because the fake-out wasn't directed at the audience like it was with Glenn. It was directed at Michonne, another character in the world, in the show, and the point of it was what it was supposed to do and mean to Michonne and what it, you know, what it made her character feel like right? And that's and it led into that conversation later in the van with her saying, what are we going to do if one of us is dead? I won't be able to go on, right? So it had a point to the character. Glenn, there was no point to the characters. There's no other characters around. It was just to fake out the audience, and then they did a terrible job at that.
1: Right. I I really hated the fake out. (laughs) You know, I, I really did. I thought it was dumb. I knew it as soon as I saw it, and uh I knew that they were gonna fake it out and that somehow the deer came back and that's what they were eating or I don't know maybe there was a clown stuck down there somewhere that's been there for a while of course uh, they it's just a clown. started eating <laughs> <laughs> no. well I mean we, you know you're at a circus kind of thing yeah, so yeah. maybe uh, i I knew it was gonna be a fake out but I didn't know that he was gonna pop out of a magic box uh forty feet away uh, it reminded, maybe it was Rick that was down there and this is just like the Prestige. I'm sorry, I'm spoiling the Prestige. Oh, that's uh, tough, man. I don't uh, know about that. Okay. So that, you know, maybe it was, maybe it was, a, uh, you know, Rick did die and then another Rick popped out just afterwards.
0: All I'm trying to say is that I never, I never th- believed that Rick was dead. I mean, that's just crazy town, right? But I did... And I knew immediately that it was something else going on here. So I was never worried for Rick's safety. But the realization I had is that Michonne might have been. Michonne is the character, didn't see what was happening, and she would have been scared for Rick's safety and think he was dead. And what does that do to Michonne? So what I'm just saying is that it had an in-world character reason for happening as opposed to just something to try and fool the audience like they did with Glenn. So it was okay, in my opinion, in that okay. respect.
1: I can see, I can see that point.
0: All right. Anything else about the episode? Did you, did, did all this stuff sort of make you think, just really dislike it or is there anything here? Oh, I hated it. Here? I hated the whole
1: episode. <laughs> I, I, uh, other than the fact that you brought up Michonne's sword work, uh, I think that was pretty good. Uh, Everything else, I, I didn't even like the whole thing with Rosita and uh, Sasha at the end. It just, it seemed like they were still disagreeing. It's like, Sasha says, do you know what this means? And uh, Rosita said, do you? Like, fuck, you're asking her for help. Why are you picking on her now? It's like, stop being a bitch. And yeah. just friggin' work together since you want to work together instead of being
0: antagonistic. Yeah, I don't think you needed the scene of Rosita going out and finding the toy gun. You know, she, we, we, We know they need guns. We know Rosita really wants to do something now. So I think what they were trying to do with that scene is have her go out, not find anything and get even more frustrated and push her to the point where she's going to go on a suicide mission to get Negan, right? But I feel like she was kind of already there. You know, we didn't really need that scene and it was
1: a bit of an excuse to have a big bloated teabag two zombie. Yeah. Uh, the, the sad thing about this episode is that I think I would have rather have read a plot synopsis than actually watch this episode. Okay. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't know that until after I've seen the episode, but it just, from start to finish, I just, I felt like I've watched it twice uh Just to make sure because I've watched things before and didn't like them, and took a break from it and go, okay, I'm in a better headspace now, I can watch this and uh not be as annoyed by it right uh, but that didn't happen from start to finish. it just this the whole episode just annoyed me, even the stuff I liked didn't really quite rise to the level of okay, that was pretty good because everything else annoyed me so much.
0: Right. Sometimes that can happen. You know, some, some stuff you just are dislike so much that it affects your ability to enjoy anything in the episode. So I don't think it was that terrible. I didn't dislike it as much as you, but there was stuff in here that just bugged me. It's, it contradicts what the show is trying to do at other times. And I feel like they should be beyond that kind of stuff now, right? They've got, they've had seven friggin' seasons to figure out what they're trying to do. And it's the things like, uh, have continually say that all the weak characters are dead and all the stupid characters are dead because they couldn't live and then have our characters sort of be weak and stupid. So, yeah. So that's all. All right. Well, not our favorite episode, but yeah, at least the sword work was cool. Yes. There you go. All right, uh, Jason, it's time to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will play an entry in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest and read all your holy crap, did you see that moments. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Gatto Negro Wine. It is, of course, the perfect pairing for your favorite TV show, including The Walking Dead. So, Jason, I was in the UK for the last six days, mm-hmm. uh, having a good time. Uh, I did not drink any wine while I was there because I chose other things to drink most of the time. But uh, I got on the plane, I flew home, and the first thing I did when I get home, got home, is watch this episode of The Walking Dead. And well. We didn't really enjoy this episode, I did enjoy the wine I drank while I watched it.
1: Yeah, I actually was, uh, the first time I watched this episode, I had a a glass uh, of wine and I really really liked it too, I have the the wine as a a consolation, not really consolation, like as in a consolation prize, but it was consoling. There you go. So a nice glass of Gato
0: Negro while you're watching the show. And we're not going to love every episode. You know, we're not going to hate every episode. But you can always enjoy your wine with your TV. And uh, like I said, Gato Negro is the perfect pairing for The Walking Dead, even when the show doesn't quite live up to... You know, it's billing or (laughs) itself. Yeah. Uh, If you would like to find more about more information about Gato Negro, I suggest checking them out on Instagram. You can find them with the username Gato Negro Wine or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Gato Negro Wine. You can sip the terror of your favorite TV series with Gato Negro Wines. Gato Negro, adored everywhere. All right, uh, Jason, we are back and I want to talk quickly about our season seven record your favorite scene contest. So uh, if anyone is just listening for the first time, uh, what this is, is that we ask our listeners to pick any scene from any season of The Walking Dead and kind of re- and record it, sort of do an interpretation of it or however you want. And I'm going to play and then send it in to us. And at the end of the season, we will, of course, choose our favorite and you'll win a big prize. But I'm going to play one right now from Brad on the Gold Coast of Australia. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to play this. And then I, I want to talk about it for a second after it's uh, actually I don't know how long it is, but it's maybe a minute and a half or almost two minutes so it's a little longer but i have to play the whole thing i can't not play this whole thing so this comes from brad on the gold coast of australia check this out
2: i was wrong i thought after living behind these walls for so long that maybe they couldn't learn but today I saw what they could do what we could do if we work together we'll rebuild about is possible it's all possible i see that now when i was out there with them when it was all over when i knew we had this place again i had this feeling it took me a while to remember what it was because I haven't felt it since before I woke up in that hospital bed. I want to show you the new world.
1: sure looks like a broadway play of some kind
0: <laughs> so that was brad on the gold coast of australia and and if you can't figure out what episode that came from which i i wouldn't be surprised it was season uh 6 episode 9 called no way out and that is rick speaking to carl when carl after he'd been shot in the eye and he's lying in the bed recovering and that is essentially word for word. It's it's exactly what Rick said in that scene. Word for word, but put to song.
1: That was fucking amazing.
0: It, it truly was absolutely incredible. Like, I was so blown away. And there's something so impressive about that and also so funny. Like, it was even funnier when I was reading along the script uh, while listening to it, the first time I listened to it, because I didn't really believe... Brad, when he said it's word for word from the episode, I'm like, no way! How did he do this? And it is, it is word for word. So, really, truly incredible. It's one of the most unique entries we've had. I think,
1: Brad, that was absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, it was uh, the production value was excellent. I heard a timpani in there. Uh, your voice is uh, is amazing. Uh, I I can't express to you how much. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that. That made my whole day. It it was
0: great. I mean, it, it, listeners, if you go search the script online, you can find the script if you don't believe me and then listen back to that while reading it. It is it's remarkable how he he broke the words up into, you know, a sort of into a song, right? And a, a flowing rhythmic song. So really really cool. Please, please send entries in, record your favorite scene, send them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Holy crap. Did you see that? Okay, it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And we're going to start uh, start with a call here from uh, old friend Angie in Birmingham. Hi, Chris. It's Angie in Birmingham. Um, hope you got back okay. It was great to meet you. Uh, Jason get your ass over to the UK next time please um anyway that being said and done uh, I just have a holy crap and that is dun 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 sorry Uh, did anybody notice Rick rapping on the gate or the fence was exactly the same as Negan turning up at Alexandria um just you know made me acknowledge the similarities between the two characters. Thank you, Angie, for that. So, I didn't really think about it. She uh Rick banged on that fence in the same way that, that Negan did. That's awesome. I mean, they I are, didn't notice that either. They are two sides of the same coin, just like Rick and the Governor were, right? One is trying yep. to do the good thing, and the other is not so much, but it depends on your perspective. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, very cool. Uh next is Gemma in South Wales, UK. She says my says my holy crap. This week was Judith seems to have aged quite a bit. She also looks like neither Shane, Rick, Carl or Lori. Cute
1: kid though. <laughs> That's okay. We can we can accept that. If we can accept the uh, the soft heads and the uh, the magic dumpsters of this universe, I think we can accept that uh, there's some kind of random genetic code in Judith. I guess so, yeah. Along
0: the same lines, Vicky on the internet wrote, holy crap, how did Judith grow up so fast? Is there a time machine in Alexandria? I don't think so. I think she's just a rapidly growing baby.
1: Uh, yeah, from my experience, and you know, my experience is limited uh, to the last six or seven months, uh, babies grow fast. Oh yeah. Oh my God. They
0: sure do. They grow fast. Your kid is going to be off to
1: college before you know it. He's already sitting up and he started scooching and he can reach farther than he ever has. And he's getting long. He's (laughs) so long. (laughs) Yeah. The babies are long until they stand up and then they, yeah, then then they're they're tall. tall. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's very long. He can, he can sit up good, but he's still, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's growing like,
0: well, he'll like gangbusters. He'll prop. Does he prop himself against the couch and stand on his legs? He probably can do that soon.
1: Oh, well, he does that against me. Like if I can stand him up on my legs and uh, have him put his hands on, usually right on my face. Right. Yeah. Okay. There you go. No, he. Yeah, he's a good. He's a good little stander.
0: Very good. good. Well, he's only gonna get better. Yeah. Uh, who's next? Sean in Richmond, Virginia writes, "Holy crap! Did you see the CGI deer?" Why, yes, Sean, we did. We did. That has to be the worst looking effect to date on The Walking Dead. Did AMC cut the budget or did they spend all their money on a CGI tiger and the Negan baseball bat from season, uh, from episode one? I thought the backdrop from the Junkyard
1: Gang was bad, but then I watched this episode. Just wow. <laughs> they should send me 20 bucks and I could probably paint a deer. I'm, I'm sorry. That's probably just you know, a disparaging remark to the, uh, the, the wonderful, uh, visual effects people that probably didn't have the the amount, right amount of time or right amount of budgets or the right resources or something just went wrong or they didn't, uh, you know, it was me, you know, maybe Greg Nicotero, if he did direct this episode, he said he directed this episode. I think he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it was like, oh shit, we got to put a deer in there. I forgot about that. I completely forgot about the deer, uh, we don't have time to send it out to our regular production company because we've already done all the uh, CGI for Michonne's sword and Rick's uh, axe and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, do we have a, somebody around here who can do this for us, uh, Jimmy? You over there, you know Photoshop? Can you uh, can you do this? Well, well, Photoshop's not the right tool, but okay. Well, what do you need? You know, we'll get you whatever you need. You got all weekend. Yeah, that's right you've got until
0: it's I know it's 2:30 but you have till 5. <laughs> yeah you you know 5:30 we give you to 5:30 if as a contingency if you run into trouble. You know I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it was probably just just not enough time or not enough money was was offered to to whoever was doing this because it's not like it's not like they're going to hire someone that has no idea what they're doing or is terrible at their job (laughs) and frankly if you're making a career as a visual effects artist or whatever it is you're probably not terrible at your job but everyone needs the right amount of time to do this sort of thing so I wouldn't hold it against the visual effects people at all it was probably a fuck up on somebody else's end
1: yeah I mean I'm sure we can point fingers to her blue in the face but the result is bad the result was bad it was so bad
0: uh, anyways, Dan in Columbus, Ohio writes, holy crap, are they preparing us for Rick to get killed off? Do you think? Well, yeah,
1: that's a good point. You know? They did that to Glenn and then he died. Yeah. Now we have Maybe a... that's the, maybe the old fake out is the, uh, you know, always testing the waters for, uh, actually killing off a character.
0: Except in this case, I think it actually had an in-story purpose, whereas Glenn, it didn't. So I don't think they're going to kill off Rick. I, I think- I hope someday they do, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, the show's going to tank so but fast after they kill off Rick. It'd be like, everybody's like, well, the show is over. Like, we killed the main character. Why would, you know, it's like the final season of Scrubs. Uh, you May- know, th- they're going to keep the show going on. Sure, you can rotate all the characters in and still have the same writers and, and such, but uh, nobody's going to like it. Or the last season of uh, uh, that 70s show. You know, once you lose the main characters, shows go down the tubes really goddamn fast. David Duchovny left The X-Files, and that's all I need to say about that. Well, I stopped watching The X-Files before David Duchovny left. I plan on going back and watching all the episodes, but... You never will. I, I really want to, though.
0: I know there are things that I really want to do... And I won't. (laughs) So uh, anyways, here's a different perspective, sort of. Rena on the internet writes, Holy crap, Rick is dead. And then he isn't. Wow, that was quite a shocking moment for the show. I did take a moment to think, so how are they going to get out of this bullshit? Only to see they fell into the old trope of it was all a deer. I think we all remember way back when Dallas did the same thing when we think JR was shot only to have it turn out it was just a deer or was it a dream? I get those two confused a lot.
1: <laughs> Wait, wasn't JR actually shot? And the whole thing was who shot him? Who shot
0: JR? Um yeah, but then at the the end of the whole season or maybe the beginning of the next season, the she wakes up and the whole last season was a dream so JR was never actually shot.
1: Oh, that's so annoying. Now you've spoiled Dallas for me. Oh, well. (laughs) That was
0: another show I always meant to go back and rewatch. I don't know why that, I don't know why I'm not worried, I worry about you spoiling other things, but I couldn't give a shit about spoiling Dallas. (laughs) I don't know why.
1: (laughs) Well, Uh, okay. So I didn't know it was a double fake out. Like it was a whole, uh, you know, who shot JR was like a... Uh, One of the first cliff, not one of the first, but it was a very important cliffhanger in our collective societal, you know, zeitgeist of the 80s. Yeah. You know, it was a big thing, but, you know, not just, you know, making it not just a who shot JR thing, but a fake out that it was actually a deer that got shot. I'm mad about friggin' Dallas now. Well, it wasn't actually a deer. It was a dream. (laughs) It's even worse. <laughs> yeah, okay. You remember when we thought that Lost might have been a dream? You know, Hurley's dream and he's going to wake up and everything's going to be, you know, just Hurley working at the chicken shack? Some people think that The Walking Dead is all a dream and Rick's still in a coma. Oh, uh, they're not going to do that again. That's, they can't, they can't, you can't do that on television anymore. Like you can't do a, a fake out dream thing. No, I don't think so either. You can't get away because so you, you get uh you'd have bottles thrown at your office building. Oh, you'd have death threats. You'd, you'd have everything, right? I'm being polite. They're more likely Molotov cocktails, but you know, bottles with sure. gasoline on fire.
0: Apparently, the accountants who who sent the wrong envelope out at the end of the Oscars uh-huh. received death threats. So that is how
1: um, crazy they, those people, people are. have
0: to take a pill. Oh, they need to settle down. That's for sure.
1: I mean, it got messed up. Nobody's nobody's fault, really. I mean, sure, they we've all fucked things up where we well, wish we could take it back, and nobody does it in front of a billion people, but whatever. Somebody did and they probably feel bad. For sure, you, know, you don't have to pile on. Well, that's what I mean. It it was their fault.
0: They gave him the wrong envelope. If it's anybody's fault, it's theirs. It may be it, it was accidental, but it was still their fault. But there's no reason really ever to send someone a death threat.
1: So, Every time I attach a picture to uh, to send somebody in the email, I worry that it might accidentally be porn. <laughs> like what happens if I have accidentally posted a Porn photograph on a work email. It's never going to happen because my work, you know, laptop is completely separate from my porn laptop. But, <laughs> of course it is. You know, but it's, it's always a, a fear of mine in the back of my head that, you know, am I actually sending what I think I'm sending? Because I always double check, but still there's a f-
0: fear there, you know? Right. Of course. Just don't do any work on your porn laptop and you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. All you right. know,
0: keep your porn separate from your work and you'll be good. Absolutely. Lori in Wilmington, Delaware writes, holy crap, did you see that Rick finally gave Glenn credit for him being alive in the first place? I've been waiting for that. Glenn played a vital role in this show. P.S. He has been mentioned 11 out of 12 episodes this season. His death at least had a lasting impact on the group. Oh, there you go. That's a neat little stat. I had no idea he'd been mentioned in all but one of the episodes. Uh Michael in London writes, Holy crap, I was loving this episode until the Oscar the Grouch Appreciation Society turned up. Bloody ruined it for me with their cameo. Also, holy crap, Sasha and Rosita are going to get caught. You know what this means, don't you? Yep, we're on Easy Street. <laughs> <Na-na-na-na-na-na."> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I like that song now. I don't know why.
0: Uh that song played a fairly prominent role at Walker Stalker Con London. It is. Uh, yeah, they had some musical interludes and it was played. And then, uh, on the secondary stage, uh, there was a bit where, um, one of the moderators got up and, you know, they song, they played that song three times over after they said, you know, they wouldn't kind of thing. Just a joke. Anyways, we'll talk about that in a minute, maybe. It's funny. Yeah. Good times. James and Pittsburgh pennsylvania holy crap how in the hell has that building not been looted with the saviors the hilltop the kingdom and the scavengers all looking for supplies it is unfathomable that a cache of military goods has gone unnoticed not to mention the fucking jerry's wheel acting as a beacon to anyone near nearing the area uh jerry's so wheel, the well, ferris wheel? well he wrote jerry's wheel and i think that's a term i think maybe that's just what they call them some places but i would call it a ferris wheel yeah yeah, it's just basically a big iron circle, right? And it, but the point is, it's sort of a beacon that would draw
1: anyone near if they saw it, right? Yeah, because uh, everybody loves a uh, you know a carnival. Everybody or, does a you know, midway. You know, there's bottled games, there's prizes. You get your big dumb donkey that you could uh, you know you don't even have to play the games. You could just take the donkey. There's, what donkey? We talked about a donkey. Oh, that the prize donkey, make, yes. It, pull, pull the donkey off the thing because it's the biggest prize. Right. I think it might've been a purple donkey. I'm not really sure. We'll but you way. could just go take that. So yeah, uh, having a Midway, uh, you know, there's always going to be pockets of things. Like why would they scavenge if they think that, uh, you know, if every place, everywhere has been already picked through. Right. I and mean, they're obviously going to areas that they don't think that anybody's been to before and they happen to find one. Right. They, they got lucky, but I see his point with all these groups in the area,
0: all, who knows exactly where they are and how far apart they are, but you would think that there wouldn't
1: be anything left, but maybe they just
0: missed this one. They got
1: lucky. I remember finding raspberry patches when I was a kid and eating as many raspberries as I could fit into my little body and, uh, thinking that I had gotten all the, all the raspberries in this whole bush. And then, uh, you know, looking some more and finding more raspberries. You know, so it just, it happens. There's always more raspberries, is what you're trying There's to say. Se- it seems like it. I tried to eat all the raspberries, but I I don't think I succeeded. You, you
0: failed. Sharnisha on the internet writes, holy crap, Michonne. Okay, so I may be in the minority here, but I kind of liked seeing the softer side of Michonne. The sweet, sexy way her and Rick's lovemaking would intercut their searching throughout the episode and her giggling and laughing And emotional reactions were so nice, so refreshing, and so cute. At first, their relationship felt kind of forced, but this does not. What do you think about that? Did they have better chemistry this episode? I still didn't quite believe it, but... It's better, uh, isn't it? It's a—it's
1: better. I think it's better. I do too. It's
0: a little bit better. So either we're getting used to it, or maybe they're getting used to it a bit,
1: and it's coming around. I think we all needed to go on that sex weekend just to reconnect with their relationship. So we, uh, we buy into it a little bit more. Everybody needs a
0: sex weekend once in a while, Jason, everybody. Yep.
1: Yeah. But we all needed to go on that sex weekend with them so that we could, you know, rekindle that relationship with them and and be able to believe it. Yeah.
0: Got it. All right. Well, every now, (laughs) that's what it takes every now and then. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, it's nice seeing the little... Relationship isms between Rick and Michonne. I'm buying this more and more. I also love how the series shows more of Michonne's femininity. In the comic, she's pretty much a machine, cutting off her humanity to survive. Right? Yeah, she's she's more of a well-rounded character in the show, is what Sean is saying, than in the comic. Even so, that's cool. Noop J on the internet writes, holy crap, that commercial break slash roof break was the best segue into commercial ever. I like that they took a moment before going to commercial to let us hear Michonne giggle a little too. Yeah. So we know they're okay. There was no commercial break cliffhanger there.
1: Yeah. I, okay. <laughs>
0: Leave it at that. Yeah, we've said enough about that already. Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Jadis is a terrible negotiator. Rick wanted 10 guns back to start. Jadis wanted to give him five. Somehow he ended up with 20 plus keeping the cat. Smooth job, Jadis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so, eh? It went 10, 5, 10, 6, 10, 9, 20, and a cat. I don't know how that... Yeah. It's funny. She's a bad negotiator. Uh, Jay in London writes, my holy crap, did you see that? Is that apparently in the Walking Dead universe, there's no recoil on sniper rifles when firing them at the edge of a rooftop. Good. <laughs> Makes it easier, I guess. <laughs> yeah, recoil this rifle. All good. That's pretty handy to have. Frank on the internet writes, I mean, holy crap, how on earth could Rick say, Army rations tasted good. Or has, or as he said, good. Those things seriously taste like Satan's butthole on a humid day. That literally took me out of the show for half a second. But what the hell? If I can buy the dead walking, maybe I can buy a tasty army ration too. I disagree. You think they tasted good?
1: Uh, I know they taste good. I actually have MREs, which are made by the same company that makes the U.S. military MREs. Uh, So there's a company called Meal Kit Supply Canada, which actually there's a meal kit supply in the U.S. as well, but they sell civilian versions of the military MREs. And these MREs, they come in boxes with various uh, different meals that uh, have a shelf life of five years at room temperature. If you cool them down, they actually have a longer shelf life. And I've tried a few and I've eaten them and they're not that bad. There I had military rations when I was in basic training which were absolutely horrendous because you'd have there were basically it was a cardboard omelet uh so you had a you had a, basically a choice between um raisins with gravel where it was actually easier to eat the gravel rather than the raisins or uh <laughs> Shoe polish soup, which was just absolutely horrendous. But I actually have MREs in my home right now, and I try not to eat the uh, the maple bacon or the maple sausage uh, breakfast meal because they're actually quite tasty. And I have to keep them stored and go to don't eat that. You know, even though it's good and it's just sitting there ready to go, just leave it in case you need it for the zombie apocalypse. But well, just for having, you know, just in case the power goes out, because we had an ice storm a few years ago where the, uh, the power was out for like five days. So let, let me ask you a question though. Okay. And, and
0: I don't want to go on too long about this, but the, the meal itself, like what is inside that package? Is it like a, a baby food type mush that just sort of tastes like this and has all the stuff? Or what is the consistency of the food in there?
1: It's okay. So there's different meals uh, there's breakfast meals and then there's other meals, right? So the breakfast meal is the, uh, the maple sausage. So there's a maple sausage patty. And then there's, uh, in the breakfast one, there's actually, uh, this one comes with a, uh, a Pop-Tart. So there's a single Pop-Tart in there as well. And then you get uh, a piece of bread and then some either peanut butter or jelly that you can put on it. And then it also comes with coffee and um, usually some kind of mixed uh, electrolyte powder. So you can put water in it and drink electrolyte powder, and it also comes with a a heater. Right, you pour pour water in it, and there's a chemical reaction. Pour a little bit of water, chemical reaction where it generates a lot of heat, and you can wrap the the meal in the side dish because they always come with the meal in the side dish. You wrap it in this thing and it heats it up, so you can have a hot meal. There's other meals like there's spaghetti and meatballs, yeah. which isn't that bad. There's like it's like a can of Chef Boyardee but slightly better quality. Like because
0: okay. it looked like Rick and Michonne were just eating out of these bags with spoons, like they were eating oh, like yeah, that's, applesauce. That's,
1: yes, that's what it looks like. Like it's just, it comes in this green bag that yeah. you heat up and then you, you peel open it and you get yourself a nice spoon. It comes with a spoon and then you just spoon it out and eat it. Okay. But it's a full, It's a full. like every meal has at least like 2,600 calories or something like that. Like it's a lot of calories, but it's meant for a soldier in combat conditions, and they're going to go through a lot, they're going to need a lot of calories in a day. Right. So that's why each meal has like this huge calorie content. Even if you're just marching along for eight hours, carrying all of your stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. So I've eaten the MREs, like these are, granted, they're the civilian versions of the military MREs, but I don't mind them. They're not great. Like I wouldn't want to eat them every day for a long period of time, but you know, to have one every once in a while, it's not bad. And you also get powdered pudding. You put water in there and you shake it up, and it makes pudding. All How right, going to go wrong? So far from Satan's butthole on a humid day, as Frank says. Yes, but you know, granted, it depends on where where he's from and what uh, uh, what MREs he's eaten. And whether, and whether it's actual military or civilian version, and whether or not you find Satan's butthole appealing or not, yeah, there's also a preference of you know that butthole preference. Some people like humid days, some people don't, regardless <laughs> of what buttholes yeah, that's they would like. Right. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, two more
0: here. This next one is tiny bit spoilery. I don't consider this a spoiler. But if you're worried about something that's a super minor spoiler, it references a character who may have another job on another show, and you know what that means sometimes. But who writes, Sasha is going to Star Trek Discovery. They're filming now, and she's the main character. I think what oh. I, I think what I am saying is, holy crap, Sasha is clearly dead.
1: I'm both excited and terrified of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I I have no thoughts
0: on it because I will not
1: watch it. Oh, you're not a Star Trek guy. Star we got going to make guy. you watch Star Trek.
0: Oh, I, unlike you wanting to go back and watch X-Files in Dallas from the beginning or whatever, I have no desire to start Star Trek from the beginning, any version of Star Trek, because oh, there's just too much.
1: Okay, so from now on, every time we talk, I'm going to explain to you the plot of a Star Trek episode. So we'll start with the next generation. The pilot episode was called Mission at Far Point. Fine, I'll do so it. So what happened was... <laughs> I'll do it. Fine. <laughs> Riker comes aboard the Enterprise as a new uh, the, the new first officer. Next is Nathan in
0: Ohio, and this is the last one. <laughs> Here's a novel idea, Nathan says. How about instead of fighting the saviors and nearly killing everyone... You love in the process, take those nice vehicles you have with their endless gasoline supply and just drive away. Just leave forever. It's not like you need to be near family anymore. I don't understand the logic in being subservient to a psychopath when you totally have the ability to leave him. And uh, granted, this is not really framed like a holy crap, but it kind of applies to the whole situation of what's going on in the show right now. And I wanted to read it because, Jason, I wanted to pose this question to you. I have thought of this before. I think everyone has thought of this before. You're presented with Negan. Why fight back? Why not run away? So is there any way that the show could pull this off and have the characters run away and just leave Negan behind and not strike back? Is there any way they could do that? Or is this uh, a TV show? The only thing holding in the to?
1: back is that Eugene is now... Uh, part of these saviors. But but
0: forget that. That aside, let's say everyone was in Alexandria, they make this deal and they're, they're executing the deal by finding stuff and giving it to him. Is there any way the show could just be like, nah, we're running away, we're going to move to Portland and uh, Negan will never find us?
1: Uh, from no a way. story perspective, no. <laughs> I, from I think a so. character perspective, there's no reason why Alexandria wouldn't just get the fuck out. Like just, you know, get a truck, fill it with gas. They've got some guns. They've got a whole bunch of food. What the hell are they waiting around for? Like, you know, load up a, find a semi-truck, fill it with diesel, load up some of the wall panels and take them with you. Yep. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Take the solar panels and, uh, you know, you've lost enough people. Like really, are those stupid walls around these nice houses worth it? No. It's, yeah, it's a perfectly logical thing to do if this were real, but
0: it would never work on a TV show because you can't introduce this kind of conflict and then have them run away from it and not resolve the conflict in some sort of other way, I don't think.
1: I think the best thing they could possibly do is get in a truck and go to Mackinac Island because that's a nice place. Where? I mean, there's Mackinac Island. It's in, uh, you know, the lower peninsula of Michigan and the upper peninsula of Michigan. You know where they meet? Uh Uh-huh. There's a little island there called Mackinac Island, which is kind of like, there's no vehicles allowed on this island. You go there and it's basically all fudge and lilacs and horses. And it's just a lovely place <laughs> sounds, to go and visit. Sounds like heaven. It's idyllic. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's enough land to, to put up some solar panels and to do some farming. And it's surrounded by uh, an island. And then, you know, you could get to the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula, and there's a big bridge there. It's, it's a lovely place. I think that no nobody would normally go there, because, it, you know, why would you go to Mackinac Island in the zombie apocalypse? That's exactly why you should go there. All right. Well,
0: so Nathan, I think it's a great idea, but I just don't think it would ever work on a show. Unless... There's no there's no moral or uh, plot resolution if you do that. Right. It's... That's right. There's no plot resolution. There's no story resolution. It's just like you're giving up on one and starting a new story somewhere else.
1: It's like waking up and Alexandria was uh, Rick's dream. All a dream. (laughs) And Shane is still alive, but Lori's dead and Judith isn't real. And I don't know, maybe Carol hasn't killed a bunch of kids. Maybe not. All right, that is going to
0: do it. So just before we end the thing here, Jason, do, do we want to talk about London, Walker Stalker at all? I mean, I, I guess there were a few people there. I'll just say briefly, it was super fun. Met a bunch of listeners. That was really nice. Um, you know, we had our little meetup and and people came out, so that was super fun. And then I I met some people, you know, at the con too. Like while they were doing their thing, um, and like every Walker Stalker, it was it was a really good time. So if you're out there and you're you live in a city where they're coming to like, give it a chance. If that's the kind of thing you want to do, check it out, go buy yourself a ticket and do it. Uh, I did the two panels, my panel with Jay Bon and Singa, Jason, mm-hmm. I think was the best panel I've ever been a part of. Nice. And that's because I feel comfortable with him. And it was just the two of us up there, me and him. Uh, we had a, a great, conversation we talked about you know all of his books and it just went really well and then after it and this is partly you know why i felt so good about it is because after it he just kept telling me how great it was how much of a nice time he was he had and he he just said you know great questions it was really uh interesting to, to chat and you know he think he thought the audience really enjoyed it And he says to me, you know, you did a really good job. He said, you're really, he said, you're really good at what you do. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) well, I don't really do this, but, but thanks. You know, I just, I, if I'm going to do something, I want to prepare for it. So there you go. So it was really, really great. And, uh, I talked to him about having him on the podcast at some point. So maybe when the next book comes out in the fall, we're going to have him on. We'll, we'll do it, do it here. You should invite him over for a barbecue. Yeah, that'd be great, man. He lives in Chicago. He'd probably come, right?
1: Oh yeah, it's right there. It's
0: right there, exactly. So uh, so that was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed that. The other panel I did was Tom Payne and Xander Berkeley. I nice. wasn't as happy with how that one went just because there were me and Jason up there. So two moderators and two panel guests. Uh, that was on the main stage though. So in front of a lot more people. And I think the audience really enjoyed it, but I felt like we didn't need two moderators. And it was tough because we were all sitting in a row, me and Jason on the ends and Xander and Tom in between us. And you couldn't really see each other, right? As the moderators. So it was tough to kind of play off each other's body language a little bit and go back and forth with questions or whatever. So it was a little trickier. And I wasn't as happy with how it went, but overall it was, it was fine and I'm pretty sure everyone had a good time, so. Good.
1: Did you, uh, were you embarrassed that, uh, you hadn't seen, uh, Xander Berkeley on 24 when he was on 24?
0: Uh, no. I mean, I knew he was on it because I looked up some of the other stuff he did, but it didn't come up too much. I mean, okay. I think, I think Jason mentioned it, but uh, yeah, it didn't really come up as much. That's where
1: I know him from, right? Because yeah. I watched him, I watched 24 from pretty much the first season, and, uh, I remember him on, that. his, uh, departure from the show was pretty epic. Okay, well, I have
0: no idea what that means, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, I was sitting next to Tom, and Jason was sitting next to Xander, so, you know, I spoke, uh, a little bit more to, to Tom Payne than anybody else, and, uh, That was that, but you know, the, the people asked some questions and, and it was fine. So it was, it was all right, but the rest of the con was great. The, the venue in London, the Olympia, Kensington Olympia or whatever it's called was, is a really cool venue. Like it's just kind of a big open room for a convention, but it has this big arched like glass ceiling, like a barn sort of, uh, that was just really, really, really nice, um, And, and it was fun. And then London, of course, is a fantastic city. You know, I did all kinds of fun stuff on the uh, days off that I had there. So even just walking around the city, looking at things was amazing.
1: I've, I've never been to the United Kingdom, but I assume you had a lot of uh, deep fried uh, uh, pickled eggs wrapped in bacon.
0: <laughs> I don't know. That's, I don't think that's really a UK thing. What I did eat a lot of is steak and ale pie. Oh my oh, yeah. God, that's good stuff. They make these pastries, fill it with steak and gravy and they you get mashed potatoes with it. Oh, so good. I ate it like every day.
1: You had me at uh, steak, gravy, mashed potatoes, and pastry. There you go. It's four of <laughs>
0: four of the best things in the universe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know,
0: good pubs, good times, and it was really fun. So, anyways, all I'm saying is, uh, check out a Walker Stalker con if you want. It is it is a fun experience, and you get a chance to meet all your Walking Dead celebrities and stuff. I met uh, Kari Payton, who plays um, uh, King Ezekiel right. He's an extremely friendly guy. You know, he was really great. I got him to record a message for Isabel, uh, for her birthday on my phone because he voices a character on, uh, called Cyborg on Teen Titans Go, this cartoon that the, the girls really like right now. And Izzy is the biggest Cyborg fan in the world. And so I got him to record as Cyborg talking to her like nice. for her birthday that's coming up. So it's really going to, she's going to die when she hears it. It's going to be amazing.
1: <laughs> that's excellent.
0: I can't wait. I can't wait to play it. Uh, yeah. So good times. Anyways, um, maybe we'll, you know, see you at a future Walker Stalker con. And I, I think I would like to go back to London next year uh, again, because it's super fun. So cool. I have a list of Walker Stalker cities that I want to go to, but I can't go to them all. It would just be too much.
1: They got to do a Toronto oh,
0: and it would be so great. I don't know what their problem is. Like, you know, they're going to Akron, Ohio and Portland, Oregon, not Toronto. It doesn't make any sense. We're the like third biggest city in North America or something like that. Aren't we? I don't think so. Well, okay. New York, LA, Chicago. Okay. I bet we're in, we're in the top 10 for sure. All right. I'm going to look that up. We, we are maybe even top five. Anyhow, you look that up. I'm going to wrap things up here. Um, If you want to get in touch with us, everyone, please do so by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail to send us a message. You can also check us out on Twitter at Talking Dead or the Facebook page, facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Uh, Send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and do us a favor and leave us an iTunes review if you don't mind. That really helps them take notice and have us move on up the charts, which is great. Um, send your entries for our record your favorite scene contest and, uh, make sure you check out Gatto Negro. A big thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast for the second half of season seven. Uh, you can find Gatto Negro on Instagram at instagram.com slash Negro wine or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Negro wine. If you want more information. All right. That's it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening until next time. My name is Chris.
1: And my name is Jason.